This is the Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda on MNCAA College Hockey News and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Warming House podcast. National Hockey 183 here to the it was a, a, a tale of two hockey teams, I guess, if you're a Huskies fan, but I, I don't know if you're a tale of two cities. I sure as heck didn't, but what I can tell and you is everything from the state of hockey. I'm sure it's about two different things. So, that's what we got. There's a reason you do the Huskies Warming House podcast. Anyway, speaking of cliff notes, how is Nick Maxson's week been this week? We are T-minus less than a week from seeing each other, actually, which is terrifying. I mean, it was Friday the 13th just a couple of days ago, so things are lining up not in the greatest ways for us. Say that much. In October, and I will tell you this, um, for those who are curious, Healthcare wise, um, it was definitely Friday the 13th. You know how you always make those jokes like, oh, it's Friday the 13th. Don't bring that bad juju on us. Oh, yeah. No, uh, we had uh, Friday the 13th and then some like residual aftertaste, too. Uh, so, so yeah, not exactly great. I, for those who are curious, uh, we're actually recording this show on Sunday. So I. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually getting ready to go to work after this. So this will be an interesting test here. But uh, hmm. St. Cloud State women's team, they definitely went to work this weekend. Men's team maybe a little bit of a different story here, Nick. Uh, but first of all, before we get to that, like I said, I interrupted you from my own question. How are you doing this week? Are you ready now? <laughs> here, let me get my notepad out. Yeah. More just, you know, a piece of duct tape actually works really good. I can't, I've can't. i never been able to find the mute button in all the years we've worked together. I don't know what that's about, but. You know, Tim Allen would say we need to rewire that. <laughs> yes, because Tim yeah. Allen was very great at rewiring. Yes, I, I probably well, mute my buttons about as well as Tim tape, Allen. Staple gun. There's different ways we can make it happen. <laughs> I, I'm in. Um, right. So so for the third time, how are you doing this? Yeah, week? you know, pretty good. Um, a lot of changes actually um so work is changing quite rapidly um which is a very good thing um sort of in a transition period if you want to call it so for those who didn't know you know i was sort of in a retail location for the past few years my last day at that location was friday um and a permanent role so the essentially i'm an orphan if you want to call it um in terms of the retail side of it but it's a shall we say a intentional you know, orphan role because it is uh, going to be very temporary. And so hopefully the the transition gig, which we've essentially been working on for geez, six months, um, will finally come to a head in January. So it's oh. it's sort of, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's a change. But uh, yeah, but beyond that and then getting to call a couple games this weekend, it's been busy, but it's been great. So, yeah, I sorry, I was laughing because you said I'm an intentional orphan and I'm thinking about the things you would have to do to be an intentional orphan in the real world. And you just, I, it, you just decide just to say screw everybody else. That well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a, Honestly, a, flight, a flight of stairs, maybe. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I've been pushed on a flight of stairs once. <laughs> really? True, true story. No, Wait. I was like four years old. There's actually... Oh gosh, we're gonna get into details. That, that, expl- that, that explains, explains so lot. much. I know, right? <laughs> uh, I was like three or four, and I was living in Bloomington at the time. It was, you know, 
way younger and I was sitting at the top of the stairs and you know it's an old Rambler style house so the stairs went straight down and yeah. this was at the bottom of that just a concrete floor and my <laughs> older sister decided that it would be funny to do a nice big push and uh, one tumble and I free fall about halfway down and let's just say my head caught the fall so yes that does explain a lot <laughs> oh wow yeah, yeah okay <laughs> I, got, I was buzzed for a while and suddenly all of Nick's state testing, according to Minnesota, has been private ever since. Uh, no, that's the Mocha test, and that's very public. So it's funny. St. <laughs> Cloud on the men's side let yet to leave the state of Minnesota. Uh, St. Cloud on the women's side, very welcome addition back to the state of hockey here this weekend. Nick, of course, was on both of those games, and we'll talk about that uh, in just a few moments. We start, as always, with Center ACU News and Notes, presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and the Soda Pod. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Welcome into the main portion of the show, episode 183. Nick Max and Noah Grant here in the den. And Nick, uh, we start on the women's side as we usually do. Uh, uh, not falling downstairs, haven't been for a while, according to the women's WCHA. Say what you want about the men's side of the WCHA, but uh, I, yeah, we'll okay. leave that. Yeah, uh, I, I will say this though, Nick, I, we were just talking about this pre-show. WCHA probably has one of the best websites as far as... Uh, responsiveness and other things so uh kudos to them uh on thursday wisconsin playing mankato on the women's side six nothing final for the badgers in that one they repeated that with a nine nothing victory on friday so uh yeah don't know how the mavs are doing this year on the women's side but uh yeah wisconsin they're good uh <laughs> at least yeah. start the season so uh, then it was Ohio State and Duluth. Ohio State 5, Duluth 2 on Friday. And then it was a 2 nothing score on Saturday. So much better pushback. Maybe a bit, I, I and I, I'd have to maybe pull up the box score here. I can try to do that quickly. But um, to see when the scoring was, yeah, the, there was uh, an empty net goal. So really a 4-2 to two score, I guess, if you want to be technical in that first night. So two goal spreads both nights. I guess maybe not that unsurprising. I guess Duluth historically has kind of taken you know, maybe maybe a game or at least pulled one of those to overtime. So I guess it's maybe a, a good thing for that program that we're surprised that they didn't pull any points out of that weekend, if that makes sense. So and then Minnesota beating St. Thomas 8 nothing and 4 nothing over the weekend. But uh, Nick, would you agree that the most intriguing matchup this weekend was that Ohio State-Minnesota Duluth matchup, at least outside of St. Cloud's uh, games this weekend? It was. Uh, again, you know, our prediction of the number one team in the WCHA, Ohio State, again, loaded with talent up and down that lineup. Uh, Minnesota Duluth, who, you know, we ranked fourth, but again, we talked about that top four grouping. There's really a, not a lot that separates these two. Uh, so it's a respect to Minnesota Duluth, who, you know, can compete. It just kind of stinks that uh, Ohio State just has a little bit more of that firepower this time around. Again, they'll face each other off on another weekend series later on this season, but yeah, most intriguing matchup just because you felt like that was the most competitive. And uh, despite the score, I mean, again, Wisconsin and Ohio State, I should say, they're good. So, yeah, tough. Yeah, th there's uh, no doubt in our mind that uh, 
those teams are going to be good. Minnesota, a, a bit of an interesting response for them last week against RIT. They followed that up this week with a, a very strong weekend, as we more expected. So, um, unfortunately, on the other side of the WCHA was uh, Bemidji State, who has had a less than stellar uh, start to their season. They have yet to record a win this year. We talked about it in our previews. We picked this team to finish eighth. They had a lot of turnover, a lot of their high-end players leaving this program, and it's it's going to be a tough ride for the Beavers this year. I feel like it's that that sucks. You know, it sucks to say because it's always nice to see eight competitive teams in the WCHA, but Minji State really struggling out of the gate to start here. Oh five and one after the weekend compared to the Huskies' best start in program history. Uh, five mm-hmm. and one for this Huskies group. Uh, they start on Friday. Attendance was two fifty seven for this one. Huskies outshoot up Bemidji State 30 to 12. Bemidji State only registering one shot in period number three. Huskies 13, 9, and 8. BSU 4, 7, and 1, respectively. Uh, Bemidji going over one in the power play. St. Cloud 1 for 2. Uh, is actually 1 1 after the first and actually tied after period number two, though. Nick, we'll get to your thoughts in a second here. Laura Zimmerman opens the scoring on the power play just before the five minute mark. Uh, and then just after five minutes yes, left in period. Her. Filthy yeah. risk from Zimmerman. Yeah, after that, it was uh, Haley Armstrong from Bemidji with less than five minutes left in period number one ties that hockey game up. CeCe Bowlby, who had a great weekend this weekend, uh, at the 628 mark gets the Huskies on the board for approximately about 15 to 20 seconds before Bemidji answers right back in that one. Uh, and then after that, it was all Huskies in period number three. CeCe Bowlby, Clara Himlerova, and Avery Farrell uh, Within the first five minutes of period number three, really kind of, you know, taking care of business. St. Cloud going 30 for 57 in the faceoff dot, so above 50%. And it was a great performance from uh, Jojo Chobak, who uh, actually numbers-wise, technically stopping 10 of 12, uh, statistically doesn't look good because the low volume of shots, but she did what she had to do. And I would say over the course of the season, that number is going to even out very, uh, very easily for her. But Nick? You were there on Friday, uh, five to two victory, maybe a little bit hairy through the first 40 minutes, at least for the Huskies to just make sure that they executed, uh, but they saved their best for last in period number three. What'd you think of the first contest of the weekend? Really not first 40, really first 10. Um, this team has had a slow starts um, throughout the most of uh, even their five wins of the season. Something that Idolsky talked about. Um, they're still transitioning again the team is going from essentially a defense first to offensive first mindset so there's there's definitely some lag there's still some chemistry that he's figuring out he still continues to jumble the lines a little bit especially on the forward side and it's just one of those things where once they find their legs once they find their game they're in cruise control and uh first game took them about a good solid 10 minutes um i i felt like maybe at times that uh just a little bit maybe anxious on the offensive side defensively i thought they were okay um and uh at the end of the day um once the third period came around i think they looked at each other and said you know what we're tied we're the better team let's go out and take it and made a really really good solid push in the third to score three times yeah and puck possession obviously key only two huskies finishing under 500 in the faceoff dot so i mean that kind of shows maybe that uh, adjustment that they had to make from last weekend. Uh, but I, I would say a good showing overall. Again, Bemidji State, a team that we talked about on paper, at least out of the gate, you had to, you know, probably take care of at least once this weekend, if not both times. Um, 
So, yeah, a great start for the Huskies. They continued that trend on Saturday. Attendance of 272. I'm, I'm Nick, I, I'm going to push towards it again. Wh- what is it about this Huskies team that fans need to start doing? Um, just putting it out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, we know <sighs> the answer. Um, you know, this team is a different brand. Yeah. And you know, we can we can say it. We've we've been waiting for it. You know, we've been covering them for years in the podcast, you know, going all the way back to, you know, 2018, 2019. Um, and then during the pandemic, you know, was part of a lot of special things with this club. And, you know, we always saw the potential here. And then Brian Adolski comes in and he's an absolute catalyst for the necessary changes that needed to happen. And now this team is my gosh, I mean, really. Let's put it in perspective. I mean, this team was like Colorado College to a degree where it was defensive first. It was trying to be opportunistic. And this year, they're driving possession. They're trying to be the same mentality as Brian says on the offensive side of the puck. It was it was a physical series with Bemidji State. And uh, St. Cloud kept their composure. They battled. Um, and more so, they end up wearing them down. And uh, it was a penalty-filled affair on Saturday. Uh, yeah. especially uh, for the site of Bemidji, a couple of players, just you can see the frustration boiling and St. Cloud took advantage and, uh, you know, they played a smart game and even more so again, defensively, their transition game is so good. They're so solid. They exit us so efficiently out of their zone and they can use the rush. They can use indirect passes. They can use close five foot passes through the neutral zone to set things up offensively. So this team is just playing a different style and it's, we want to score. We've got the talent to score and that's what we want our identity to be. Uh, we don't want to be this defensive first team that we were last year because we just have too much talent on the roster. So go out and watch this club. Um, they really do have, I believe a chance to push uh, Minnesota Duluth, for a top four yeah. spot. Is it maybe a bit of a long shot? You could argue that, but this team is playing a different brand of hockey that they need to play in order to challenge the top four. And so we're seeing that evolution um, unfold right in front of our eyes. It's really fun to watch. Yeah, that gap is starting to narrow between the top and bottom of the WCHA as far as home versus away spots here. Uh, Sonia Hola, perfect in this one, stopping all 17 shots she saw. Uh, like you mentioned, 13 combined penalties in this one. Huskies, uh, I, oddly enough, Nick, when does this happen? They go 30 for 57 in the faceoff dot. Again, exact same numbers, exact same faceoff numbers from Friday to Saturday, both games. That's kind of creepy if you want to go Friday the 13th type things. <laughs> but anyway, I, out of those uh, 26 total penalty minutes, only six power play opportunities. Bemidji, of course, did not score on two of theirs. Huskies go one for four uh, on the man advantage. Uh, shots 29-17 for St. Cloud, 10-5 to five in the first. Uh, actually outshot in period number two, 9-5 to five in the middle frame. And then 14-3, to three, the Huskies again showing to be a strong team that closes uh, down the stretch, at least to start some WCHA play. CC Bowlby got the scoring started actually in period number two, a four on four goal. Uh, her fourth of the season, Katie Kaufman, Ella Onik with the assist there. Dale Ross in the power play halfway through period number three, Addie Scribner, Grace Wolf with assists. And then, um, Alice, uh, surreal, her first as a Husky. Thanks for helping me out with that name, Nick. I, I had to yes. really think about it. Uh, Devin Millwater and Dale Ross, multi-point game for Dale Ross to, to close out that hockey game. Um, you got a feel for Abby Thompson and net for Bemidji State to try to do everything she yes. could. Uh, Gabby Smith for Bemidji, by the way, uh, 17 faceoff wins, 14 losses, was by far the most prolific player in the dot for Bemidji. So as far as uh, 
faceoff wise here, only one Husky below 500, and she happened to uh, have some points anyway. So it really was kind of a moot point. So overall, uh, Nick, Saturday's contest, uh, besides the penalties, uh, Huskies doing well to navigate special teams and stay out of extracurriculars and ultimately seal the deal, it feels like. And they adjusted well. Uh, Bemidji State uh, really, especially in the defensive zone, they really pushed their wings up to try to challenge the St. Cloud defense that is using them like a fifth forward, right? Um, it's like we said, this is sort of the game style we see with the top four teams in the WCHA. So everybody's involved in creating offense. And Bemidji State was trying to find any way to sort of break up the pass team. Uh, St. Cloud State moves the puck really, really well. Uh, you mentioned Surreal. Um, she has probably the best on ice vision on this team. Um, she as a as a as a as a freshman, uh, not the biggest, but just the way that she sees the ice. There was a couple of rink white passes, a couple of plays that you could see she was just mentally a step ahead of everybody else, especially on the Bemidji side. A uh, couple of close passes didn't quite connect, but again, the vision was there. Um, she's she's turning to be a special player, and then that backhand turnaround pass in game number one was was filthy, just to say it, the, uh, to say it lightly. <laughs> um, so no, uh, St. Cloud doing a good job. Uh, again, a couple of milestones I want to hit on. Sonia Hola setting the program record for most consecutive yeah. shutout streak by a goaltender, now sitting at three straight games. Uh, Brian Adelsi getting his 300th career win. Uh, so very, very exciting times here for uh, Bemidji, uh, for the Huskies, I should say. And uh, now a short week because they go down to play the Gophers on Tuesday before heading out east. So it's a lot of hockey. I'd be curious to see how the Huskies are able to get through this. Um, and also, you know, trying to be it's it's the mental grind, right? No, I know that we talk about the physical grind, but, you know, this week's going to definitely test the mental side of things, too. But uh, this team is excited and they're exciting to watch. Yeah, certainly would agree. Like you mentioned, you've got three straight games, two of those being non-conference action, though. So, you know, maybe you feel a little bit better about that. Like you mentioned, Minnesota on Tuesday, that game at seven o'clock central that is down in Minnesota. And then it's northeastern than either Lindenwood or Sacred Heart uh, for that kind of mini soiree going on this weekend. And then the Huskies. Um, actually do not have a weekend off. So again, you know, keep that in mind. St. Cloud has to come back the following weekend and actually travel to Mankato. So kind of a challenging little stretch. Then they'll follow up, follow it up with Wisconsin before getting their first break in the middle of November. So again, kind of a tough little push. Um, we're going to find a lot out a lot about this team in the coming weeks here. Uh, as far as this group overall this season so far, Nick, uh, just under 22% in the power play, six for 28, uh, 81% on the penalty kill. Huskies are plus 14 goal differential, 19 to five so far to start and exactly 50 shots more than their opponent, 196 to 112 to start the season. So St. Cloud, uh, when they've led or been tied in a hockey game entering period number two or period number three, they have not lost a hockey game. So the only game that they've trailed basically out of the gate uh, after the first or second period they lost. So, uh, Pretty good start for this women's team, all things considered. Final point here before we move on to the men's side here, Nick. Any idea, curious trivia question, any idea who leads the women's team in scoring right now after the weekend? Is that CC Bowlby? Uh, you are close. CC Bowlby, Katie Kaufman, Dale Ross, and Grace Wolf all have five points respectively. It's actually Ella Onik who has six yep. uh, points, a goal and five assists for her, the only point-per-game player on this roster. Plenty of players with four and three respectively. In fact, you go through the first, I would say, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, I would say 12, 12 or 13 players that all have had multi-point seasons to start the year, and then you tack on four more, uh, most of them from the back end that 
uh, you know, have at least a single point. Uh, the only uh, other question I guess I have for you, Nick, uh, question marks uh, maybe related to injury, other things. Taylor mm-hmm. Lind, only two contests for her. I know that we saw some uh, tweets about Idolski on, on uh, I was going to say, say Twitter. I guess it's X now. Um, anything mm-hmm. anything you garner about, about Taylor Lind yeah. as far as? She's close because she dressed. She was officially um, an extra forward for Saturday's game. She took part in warmups. Um, she did not obviously skate a shift. There was conversations of whether she would get a shift or two here and there. Um, I think just the way that that series started on Friday, I think there was just too much risk to put her out on Saturday. Um, the goal is she's going to be, I guess, a game time decision for Tuesday, but more likely available for the trip out east um, on Friday, starting with Northeastern. Uh, Emma Gentry, not quite sure too much uh, as far as Emma Gentry goes, but that brings up a solid point here, Noah. They're winning these games without two of their winners in the game, which is, I mean, we we talked about it uh, with a couple of guys in the press box of how, you know, an injury to someone like Taylor Lind a couple of years ago would have been devastating to the offensive prowess on this squad and you lose Taylor Lynn and then you lose Emma Gentry a late scratch on Friday um, and then all of a sudden you're able to still pull off two wins and still able to score eight goals on the weekend so I mean that's you know all things considered historically wise pretty impressive feat for this Husky squad yeah would definitely agree and they're getting goaltending that they have historically had if not better so I mean that's yes. you know you put those two things together again you know if they can make sure that they stay pat in the defensive zone and make sure that they're activating and defending appropriately that transitional game for this group I don't know Nick we could be in for an interesting season Tuesday is going to be a very good litmus test if you can get down to Ritter Arena definitely uh, I would try to take that opportunity if you can. On the men's side, St. Cloud staying in the state of Minnesota, not too far from Ritter Arena, all things considered. A fair hop, skip, and a jump, but also not too far from the Granite City as well, too. Uh, overlooking everything else on the men's side here, um, of course, we're still well into non-conference games at this point, uh, so you know it's kind of hard to nail things down by NCHC versus not NCHC. So um, Western Michigan beating Ferris State on Thursday, 6-4, by the way, though. Um, that big, uh, quote-unquote, upset, the number eight team in the country, Michigan State, to start the season upset by Air Force on Thursday, though. I don't know if you saw that, 6-5. So that was kind of an interesting national, yep. national score for us. Uh, looking kind of down the scores here, Michigan responded very well against UMass with a 7-2 to victory there. Um, but, you know, you're starting to see that parity start to kind of creep back in here. Miami beating Canisius 4-2. to Miami, not a bad start to the season for them so far. Quinnipiac uh, headed to overtime against AIC, by the way. That was a mm-hmm. 3-2 uh, oh, to two victory. Yeah, that was an interesting result there. Um, Fairbanks beating Michigan Tech 4-1. to one. Michigan Tech has been a team that uh, has been a team to watch for a variety of reasons. Uh, so yeah, keep that in mind. Overtime for Western and Ferris State on the WCHA side, three three was the final there for that one. Uh, Wisconsin and Bemidji State, um, or Mankato two point in Bemidji State went four uh, three uh, in favor of the Badgers uh, on that Friday night. North Dakota beat Army seven to two, maybe no surprise there. O- Omaha beating Niagara eight to one. So NCAC teams having a fairly good showing. Uh, Duluth, Northern Michigan, it was six five, I believe. Duluth got that victory in overtime, if memory serves me correct. I can't remember the box score offhand, but uh, Northern Michigan a good little push for them. 
Air Force losing in night number two. Now, and, and then Colorado College beating Union seven to three. Now, the only other store, score that I wanted to focus on from Friday night uh, at six five was the overtime final. The Gophers uh, beating St. Thomas. Uh, relevant for a couple of reasons. First of all, and a lot of people made this point after the weekend, deservedly so. This St. Thomas team is, I think they're going to be a going to be a decent team this year. Uh, and we talked about that turnaround. Huskies fans were uh, a little bit worried. They lose three, nothing to the Gophers on Saturday, but uh, um, I mean, we'll get to the Huskies play in a second. Cause there's some legitimate concerns about the St. Cloud team, at least coming out of the gate here in the first couple of weekends. But I, uh, when you look at what St. Thomas brought to the table, I think you feel a little bit better about last weekend. Is there any kind of like consolation to that? I think there is, uh, you know, and let's not forget to even last year, uh, first game was close. Three, one, um, was yeah. the opener uh, winning score before uh, they came back and won four, nothing last year on Saturday to get the sweep. And, you know, it is, you know, I don't want to call it like, you know, where fans feel vindicated, um, but I sure as hell do. I'll say that much. Um, yeah. just because at the end of it, we've we've been talking to people for a long time, and we said, wait for year number three. St. Thomas is going to be good, and uh, Rico with his connections in the transfer portal, with the way that he can recruit. Um, I'm not sure if we expected it to be right away this season, but I think we thought sometime during the year that we would see them really turn a corner. Uh, remember last year too, first half, and we talked about this in our previews over the summer, Noah, St. Thomas felt like they should have came out of the first half with a much better record. They felt like they were in games and they were losing games by one or two goals. And again, some of those with two were empty net, you know, empty net type affairs. So yeah. um, if this is their response and they're actually turning some of those one goal losses into wins now, and uh, let's just say the entire college hockey world was on watch when St. Thomas was not only putting up a fight against the Gophers, they were leading it a couple of times. So yeah. uh, this team is good. This team is good. You can't mess around with St. Thomas. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting watch. Like I said, the parody continues. Uh, when you go back uh, through the following night, Quinnipiac took care of AIC 8-0 yes, in the second did. night. However, though, on the other side of things, we mentioned Michigan early here. They lost to UMass 6-3. So again, a little bit of... Uh, it, UMass has been in some topsy-turvy games to start the season. Let's just put it that way. Um, other game that's notable, RIT beat Notre Dame 3 to nothing. I did Notre Dame's had kind of a tough start to the season, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, Bemidji State beating Army 3-2. to Why do I bring that one up? Don't forget North Dakota won 7-2 against Army just for kind of a test as uh, Bemidji State rolls into town over the holiday break. Uh, Miami sweeping their weekend 4-1 victory against Canisius. Um it was uh, North Dakota 2 nothing over Wisconsin. This Badgers team could be an interesting mix this year. Uh, CC beating Union 6-2. to Duluth winning 8-5 against Northern Michigan. So it seems like fighting fire with fire might be the name of the game for the Bulldogs here as they try to sort out some of the defensive structure for them. And then Omaha, much closer score, 2-1 to against Niagara um, in that Saturday night contest. So anything you pull out from uh, some of those other scores, some of those other NCA, she great for Miami. Good start for them. I feel good about that. So. Yep. And then how about Duluth scoring 13 goals in two games? Um, it's yeah, kind of opposite. And, like you said, and, and giving up 10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think last year, you know, I think they approached it literally the opposite. Like I said, I think they thought, okay, well let's, you know, do what we know we do well, which is defend well. We'll get good goaltending and, 
they didn't do either of those really well. I think they felt like that if they were able to secure that, the scoring would come. I think this year they're maybe approaching a little bit differently, which is let's open things up a little bit and then we can maybe hatch things down later. Um, We'll see. Um, Obviously, this is still very early in the season, but uh, yeah, Duluth, you don't see them score 13 goals over a weekend very often. So, yeah, certainly. And it's been uncharacteristic of them to give up 10, except, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit more recent, too. So it'll be interesting to see if they can lock things down. I hear that Scott Sandlin guy is pretty good up there. So, um, I don't know, a couple of national championships, you know, long time tenure. Who's to say? Who's to say? Um, On. On the St. Cloud side, though, uh, on the men's group here, the Huskies actually starting the season theoretically one in three on the year. A couple of overtime finishes for them. Uh, they lose on Saturday night. So, uh, meanwhile, Mankato, this was their first real action that counts, quote unquote. Don't forget, they lost to Omaha in an exhibition game. So, two and zero to start the season. It was an overtime finish on Friday, three to two. Mankato gets the victory. They come back from two goals down. Uh, attendance was just under four thousand four hundred for this one uh both teams 0 for 3 on the power play both teams three penalties taken huskies very poor in the faceoff dot only going yep. 19 for 49 not great um really struggle we talked about this how that how depth down the middle was going to have to be an important factor right now uh puck possession has not been kind to the huskies huskies also outshot 27 23 in this first game outshot 7 6 in period number one 9 6 in period number two and 10 8 in period number three st cloud actually three to one edge in overtime but it didn't really matter the one uh that went in it counted at the 310 mark of overtime uh we did start the scoring the huskies jumped out to a two nothing lead early in uh period number two they started the scoring in the first period barrett hall seems to be a player that likes to score in the first 20 minutes of action his second of the season yep. Werner mietten and this one was a beautiful shot short side high um 704 mark of period number one nick there's no no doubt in our mind i i feel like right now he's been a bright spot in this lineup to start the season at least it the kid can play. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, no we question. talked about, we talked about it too. We didn't know if he would be able to assimilate to a top nine role. And now we're talking top six reliable scorer to start the season. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we, when we talk about all aspects of the game, right. Trying to figure out center depth, you're trying to figure out faceoffs. And uh, when I talked to Brett, uh, that was one of Werner's really good attributes was his ability to win faceoffs. And uh, let's just say that uh, the Huskies lineup as a whole in the four group has had some issues, right? Um, yeah. Top six, again, Okabe has played well. He hasn't really found the score sheet as of yet, too. Kuka had a goal on Saturday. Um, at the end of it, though, there's just not enough contributions from the entirety of the roster, right? Um, but at the end of it, Werner Miettinen, Barrett Hall, um, early bright spots as additions. And again, with Brett Larson, as you and I both know very well, you're not put into a top six role because the team is struggling. You earn that spot. Um, So it's really kudos to those two that have really forced Brett Larson's hand to put him in those elevated roles because, well, they deserve to be there. Yeah, absolutely would agree. Huskies score 221 in a period number two. Joey Molinar's first of the season from Josh Lidke and Dylan Anhorn. This was a nice little play, far side, low blocker shot for a left-handed shot. Uh, just 
essentially beating a goaltender to that spot. Uh, Huskies were out in front two to nothing, despite maybe not playing their best hockey. You felt okay. You know, maybe this is a team that can kind of ride the wave, be able to maybe steal one quote unquote, not to be at the end of period number two, we were all knotted up at deuces. Lucas Souter and Brett Moravac uh, at the 407 and 1247 mark got uh, a couple of goals back. And just like that, we were in a dogfight. And then 310 in overtime, Mankato ends this one. And it was a tough one, a, a tough little kind of like fake shot and a wraparound. I, I, I would say Dominic Bassi, who stopped 24 of 27 on the weekend, if there's anyone that you'd like to have back, that was it. And you could tell it. I mean, he just, he didn't read the play. He didn't get a good push off, wasn't able to seal the post on the far side. And I mean, that's a, I mean, you talk to any goaltender, you even talk to him. I think he would definitely say that's a play you can't get beat on. And it was unfortunate because St. Cloud had finally a little pushback and a little bit of fight in overtime, had a couple of good looks early in the extra session, maybe could have put the game away. And just like that, uh, Huskies uh, end up losing this one. Nick, only one player in a St. Cloud sweater um, ended up being exactly 500 in the faceoff dot. So keep that in mind. It was Mason Salquist who went 8-8 eight and eight, uh, in the dot. 0-1, uh, 2-5, 1-3, 6-8, 2-5 as far as the faceoff. Uh, groupings. Meanwhile, on the other side, Mankato only had one player below 500 and he had one face-off attempt. So uh, that's got to change. <laughs> There's yeah. no doubt about that. Alex Tracy looked relatively good. The two goals that beat him on 23 total shots were good goals from St. Cloud. They were good yeah. looks. You know, and, and I would say even the two goals that Mankato scored for the better part were you know, good goals as well, too. I Just the overtime goal was a little bit tough. But I think the concerning trend, at least coming out of that first night for St. Cloud, Nick, uh, there's been a fair amount of time where St. Cloud has kind of went into that collapse prevent defense, and they've really kind of been stuck. It's not even running around. It's almost just collapsing in front of their net and hoping that nothing gets through. And then, of course, when a putt gets through, it's all hands on deck. And we noticed this, I would say, even going into the second night, Guys from Mankato that are able to slip behind the defense are able to suddenly create roving screens in front of the crease. It's too easy to get to the house in front of Dominic Bassey. You know, it's it's too easy to get there right now. Uh, did you kind of get that same sense as we went through the weekend? I got that sense, yeah. And, you know, hard to put a finger on why, right? Because you've got a, a veteran top four in your defense that should be able to play better. We talked about that bottom that bottom pairing. Um, I know a lot of people are giving Warren Clark a lot of grief for uh, that game tying goal on Friday. Uh, that's certainly a freshman mistake. There's no question yeah. about it. Um, you know, so grief, sure, but you know, was it the end of the world? No. And that's you know, for as Brett Larson would say, that's a mistake you just kind of have to work through. You know, and yeah. that's that's a vision thing. But that does also say that that type of vision, or shall I say, the lack of you know, shall we say, paying attention of what's there translates to the defensive side in your own zone, right? Yeah. Whereas, you know, you have to do a couple of things, right? If, if you're going to box out, it's two things. It's one, it's, you know, finding your guy, one and two, giving him a little hell, right? You just, you, you can't allow these guys to skate through, you know, essentially unabated. Um, you know, there's a, there's a way to create a little chaos in front without drawing a call. And I think there's still some Huskies that are trying to figure that out. Um, I think as a team, because there's a lot of still new uh, players and, and shall we say new line combinations that are trying to figure each other out. Uh, so there's still some, shall we say, structural work that's got to be done for the Huskies as a whole. Um, but it's more just in the mindset, right? I think it's more of a mindset 
uh, shift that where, you know, if, if you're going to defend, if you're going to use this type, uh, there's ways to do it properly. And I think the Huskies just aren't committing to that 100%. And let's just say Mankato, who can play a little bit more of that grease pan type style, uh, took advantage of the Huskies throughout the weekend. And, you know, good news, it's correctable. Yeah. The bad news is it's sometimes can be quick. Sometimes it isn't. Yeah, and we talked about from a pairwise standpoint, you'd like to start good out of the gate. Don't let, Let's not forget this. Huskies fans have been treated very nicely in the past couple of years to a great start for the non-conference schedule. And I would say last year they had a good start to the first half of the season. And for us Six as a podcast, yeah, and as a podcast, we've been fortunate to have some really good men's hockey teams. Uh, you know, the last team that really sort of struggled um, was the team that when we were there in person, right before the COVID year ended everything, 2019-20. And really yeah. that team was starting to surge late before they went to Kalamazoo and Western Michigan for their matchup. So. Again, uh, this St. Cloud team, a couple of things to seriously clean up, like you mentioned. Really, one of the things that they've, you talked about the defensive core, you know, the transition game, make sure you step up or stay back at the right time. That's something that historically has been really good for St. Cloud. And historically, they've had a defenseman or two, you know, Jack Ashan, uh, Nick Perbix, for example, guys that were that that primo 1A catalyst. Um, you know, I'd say maybe Dylan Anhorn and to a lesser extent, Josh Lidke have been those players maybe in the past year or so. Um, but guys that have to be able to read the play, you look at uh, one of the goals on the weekend, it's essentially a bank pass off the wall and it's a two on one just like that. And, um, you know, Mankato is able to create an opportunity there. So those things definitely have to be cleaned up. Now, Saturday, uh, the score was extremely misleading. And I'll be honest, I didn't watch the game live and then I saw the box score. And then I went back and I watched it and I went, oh, okay. Now it wasn't a great game for the Huskies. Like, let's just put it that way. No, but it also not. wasn't, it also wasn't a five to one score as far as things were considered here. Um, attendance just under 4,800 for this one. Huskies don't forget, you know, on the road for the first time all season too, you know, plays a factor. The crowd was, you know, a pretty extensive crowd for Mankato. So um, a couple things to keep in mind there. St. Cloud 0 for 3 on the man advantage, Mankato 1 for 2. So special teams, I mean, you know, it it wasn't perfect, but I, I thought it was better, you know, as far as things were concerned. Still need some work in the faceoff dot. 23 wins, 33 losses for these Huskies. If you're not starting plays with possession, it's a problem. And we've talked about this on the men's side, the women's side. This has actually been kind of a little bit of a, a struggle for the men uh, in recent years as well. They've got to have possession. They've got to have guys who are hard on the face-off dots and able to, you know, win battles. So shots exactly even 30 to 30 in this one um, dead, even in period number three, 11, 11 St. Cloud led 12, nine in period number two were outshot 10, seven in the first period going uh, backwards respectively, but it was Mankato. They get the scoring started late in period number one on the power play. And then they tack on two in the first uh, two 12 of the second period. And just like that, it was kind of a, you know, a rolling train that suddenly boom, it's three, nothing. And any team, when you're down three, nothing, it's really tough to kind of reset yourself. The Husky, He's tried to have some pushback. They had a couple of good looks. Kyler Kupka gets his first of the season from Barrett Hall and Adam Ingram at the 15-55 mark of period number three. Huskies climb within two, and then a couple of empty netters within the next uh, three minutes and change, and just like that, it was 5-1. to one. So uh, Dominic Bassey stopping 11-14 of 14 that he saw. Isaac Posh getting his first action over half a game in a Husky sweater for him, 14-14. Uh, uh, you know, and Alex Tracy stopping 29 of 30 on Mankato's side here. Uh, Nick, 
you know, it, actually face-off wise, uh, the only player who really struggled uh, was Barrett Hall on the men's side. He was three for eleven, uh, um, so Thank that you. that yeah. has to be cleaned up. Everything, everybody else was actually close to five hundred. So, um, you know, it, maybe as as a whole, Huskies a little bit better in the dot on Saturday, but still has to be a lot better, like we mentioned. But uh, Nick, score maybe not a five to one hockey game, but Saint Cloud couple of quick goals from Mankato. They weren't able to claw back. I, I think maybe the other thing to kind of keep in mind here is St. Cloud. We've talked about their defensive woes. They're also maybe looking for that offensive unit or that guy. Last year it was, you know, right out of the gate, it was, you know, Crookshank. yeah, it was Grant Crookshank. And then, you know, you look at uh, Kyler Kupka, Zach Okabe, who, you know, were able to add a couple. Right now I'd say that guy probably is, maybe Barrett Hall, you know, I know he's only got two, but he's had a couple of really good looks, but St. Cloud, you know, for us to have to think about it, you know, I know we're only four games into the season, but you know, there hasn't been anybody who's emerged that you've been like, Ooh, they've been red hot to, to come out of the gate, so to speak. Sure. Um, I'll add a caveat to Barrett Hall. That's a problem. If it's a freshman, uh, yeah. to be honest. Right. So am I indicting the upperclassmen a bit sure um am i saying that the game of hockey is is not easy no it's it's a hard game right in minnesota state um i think also played a bit with a chip on their shoulder this past weekend uh, i think as much as you know they tell the media that they don't listen to or they're not seeing you know that people think they're going to drop off I, I think they did come out and try to make a statement this weekend in home ice to uh, just trying to show, you know, yeah, we we made some changes, right? Head coach is different, um, a big roster turnover, but we're still going to play Minnesota State Maverick hockey and we can still be competitive. And so I think that played a part into it. But back to St. Cloud, right? No, you, you need more veterans to step up. Um, so, you, you know, you're looking for guys like Zach Okabe. Um, Adam Ingram, I know, is not an upperclassman. He's a sophomore, but he's a highly touted goal scorer and he's been relatively quiet so far. Um, I say relatively quiet, right? So uh, Koopa got his. Uh, again, he's a fifth-year senior. Um, so at the end of it, there's a lot of things that can be cleaned up, Noah. And I think, you know, this is, you know, are we going to be overreaction Sunday here? Probably a little bit, but I would think that this weekend series against Fairbanks is actually pretty important. Uh, Fairbanks is a good hockey team. They're not yeah. a pushover squad, right? So this will be a good hard test on home ice, but they got to find sometimes it's just about finding some confidence, right? In two overtime games, imagine that the conversations we're having the, instead of talking that they're, you know, one and three, they're three and one. Right. So, yeah. I mean, at the end of it, these two close games, you know, something to also kind of, you know, simmer the emotions a bit for Huskies fans. But at the end of the day, they're still putting themselves in positions to chase more than they are driving the hockey games. And that's got to change your probably faster than anything that they're doing, because other than that, if if they're unable to do that, then shall we say everything else, you know, as far as the train cars behind you, that starts to derail and then it's a domino effect and you don't want that. Yeah, a couple of things to really note over the course of the weekend, uh, goaltending-wise. Dominic Bassi is still the guy. Um, on the defensive side, it looks like Dylan Anhorn, Josh Lidke uh, together, Jack Peart, Mason Reiners together, and Cooper Wiley is going to round out your top five. And then it looks like they're trying to figure out who that sixth defenseman is going to be. Warren Clark and Carl Falk kind of uh, rotated in between positions there. Uh, on the forward side, it's kind of been all hands on deck. You can tell there's a couple of yeah. guys. You know, Vietti, Mitten, and Kyler Kupka are probably going to stay together, you know, for the time being. Zach Okabe is going to be a fixture on a different line. Um, Werner Mietnin has looked good. Um, it's really, this is a classic case of uh, a coaching staff doing 
this is how you create a lineup in case you ever want to coach hockey um, or how you can think about it. This is why I don't do it, but you essentially <laughs> find pair, you, you essentially find pairings of players. You find guys that work well together and you try to find a third that complements the, the initial two. And right now, this is what you're seeing in, in, in the change. For example, uh, on the second night, Barrett Hall moved to that top line um, playing a little bit center. And we know we, he's played center before, but they wanted to give him a look there. Friday night, it was Mason Salkwist there. Mason Salkwist drops down to the third line with Grant Deshaun and Nick Ports. Nick Ports has stayed steady in that lineup on the third unit. Jack Rogers has been there on the fourth unit. But other than that, Joey Molinar, he's going to play. They just don't know where. Is he going to be a second-line guy, which he was on Saturday? He was on the third line uh, on the first night. Adam Ingram, he's going to play. The question is where. Where are they going to put him? So it looks like, you know, um, Barrett Hall, as far as just where in the top six he's going to be. Mason Solquist in the top nine. Joey Molinar in the top nine. Um, trying to kind of figure out where these guys are going to be. Adam Ingram, I would say, in the in the bottom nine, give or take, depending on how he plays. Other than that, you know, there's been a big rotation. Tyson Gross gets a game on Saturday. He doesn't play Friday. It's Jack Ryman in that spot. Ryan Rosborough plays on uh, Friday. He doesn't play on Saturday. It's Grant Deshaun who slots in the lineup. So it looks like right now um, Brett Larson realizes he's got options. He just doesn't know where to put a handful of these guys to complement these other groupings he knows he likes. And it seems right now, at least in the bottom six, they're really struggling to find that maybe that balance of speed and skill versus that physicality versus, you know, if you're, if you're a third or fourth line player, your goal, say what you want about plus minus is a flawed stat, but your goal is to stay in the plus column. That's always been, you know, a third line role is if you can stay in the plus column, bring a little bit of energy, maybe couple pop a couple of points, you're doing your job. You know, you're given the top six, a chance here, Nick. And right now, it's just kind of been a bit of line juggling with a couple of combinations. They know that work. They're finding, trying to find that third for some of these units here. Uh, it'll sort itself out, but it, that might be, you know, maybe part of the reason too why we're kind of missing that scoring touch because, you know, it, it's hard sometimes. You, you're you're learning new guys to begin with, and then you're flipping that chemistry quickly because. The team is struggling. You're not getting the look you want. You're not getting the defensive structure you want. You're getting a variety of things going on here. I, I guess my question to you is, if you're Brett Larson, how challenging is it to figure out this forward mix? And, you know, what it what is kind of the goal as they move forward into the weekend? So let's actually look at this from a different lens because this is a great question. Um, when we talked to Brett last year and we talked about, you know, how St. Cloud likes to use the transfer portal. What I mean is, you know, very seldom, meaning it's one or two guys, but those guys seem to be the right fits, right? Um, there were two guys that were in the transfer portal editions last year that had instant chemistry, and that's Grant Crookshank and Dylan Anhorn. I asked Anhorn at Media Day, you know, was that just, you know, coincidence or do you guys actually have chemistry? He goes, no, we actually did feed off each other. We 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 thought the same way, you know, on the offensive zone. We you know we we could we could sort of intermix where we were and always find each other. Um, when you don't find that, right, it's a lot more apparent that you're trying to find the chemistry. And that's where Brett Larson's doing right now. So to kind of go that's at, at a kind of a different angle, that is St. Cole's been fortunate over the past couple of years to have the um, transfer additions and the freshmen assimilate as quickly and as easy as they've had, right? A lot of the times this is what we see is what we're dealing with now, right? Which is you have a bunch of players and you're intermixing them because you haven't found that perfect 
mixture yet, right? You haven't yeah. found what works the best. And again, it's got a complement, right? You have to have scoring in your top six. You got to have shutdown roll. You got to have a little bit of physicality. Um, all well staying in with an overall structure and all three areas of the ice and do it fast, intelligently. Yeah, it's a hard game, right? So that's that's sort of the point I'm making. Um, it's tough, right? Because every game that you take to figure it out that you don't win puts you in a different spot. And with college hockey, the same team that we're seeing this weekend in Alaska Fairbanks, ask them how important the pairwise standings can be and how every game can matter for them, right? I think if they had one more victory, they probably would have secured their spot in an NCAA tournament, right? So yeah. um, it's going to have to turn around quick. Um, but this is a struggle that St. Cloud rarely faces, but it's one they're in now. And it's not an easy puzzle to solve because put it to you this way, you know, I think this is the, the better analogy for it. You're solving a Rubik's Cube that's kind of fighting back, right? Because you think you see what that piece looks like, but then maybe one game that piece looks a little bit different, right? In terms of what they offer on the ice. So it, it's it's not as easy as we make it sound. In fact, it's really difficult, especially when the players depend on the matchups and you know the gamesmanship on the ice. It's not always a clear picture of what they are and who they are, especially with a lot of the freshmen and sophomores that the, the Huskies have. So um, either way, they're going to have to figure it out quick. Um, it is going to be a challenge, but uh, yeah, at the end of it, you know, sometimes you just need a hockey bounce too, right? Get a, just get a win. Yep. And sometimes maybe it's emotions, maybe it's gripping sticks type, maybe it's a confidence thing, and then maybe things settle down. But uh, big test coming up this weekend. Yeah, definitely is. And, you know, another concerning trend, you know, again, we're still early and we have to think about that, too. There's a lot of transition that can happen here. You know, it's very typical, like you said, Huskies fans have been very blessed to have these really good starts, really good, you know, opportunities out of the gate where they're actually the team that's usually feeding on other groups that are still kind of trying to find their legs, so to speak. Um, St. Cloud, it's going to be a bit of a different challenge to kind of try to remedy those things early here. Huskies one and two when scoring first. So again, we talked about that two goal lead you drop on a Friday night. You still essentially push that game to overtime, but you know, you like to hang on to that one in regulation. You know, I, I think that that's, you know, easy to be said um, when the opponent of course scores first, they have not won a hockey game. They're and one. They've only outshot their opponent uh, one time this season and they've lost. So the only time they've won is when they out were being outshot as well too. Um, Three of their four contests have been one goal games, though. So I think, again, we talked about how they're still in hockey games. Don't let the game on Saturday, you know, mislead you. It essentially becomes a three to two goal hockey game, you know, a quick little spread and the Huskies can't find a way to claw back. Uh, You know, and of course, for them, they're 80 percent on the kill, almost 24 percent on the power play. So special teams wise, even with the chaos that we've had uh, to start the season, we talked about how you want to kind of limit the opportunities in the series against St. Thomas. Four for 17 on the man advantage. They've only allowed three in 15 attempts on the penalty kill. So a couple of things to clean up, but I mean, it's not terrible. You know, it hasn't been a backbreaker for them right now. Uh, Their their goal differential is minus five. uh, 13 to eight is the difference there. And then shot differential is minus 11, 120 to 109 for this group. So again, they're going to have to figure it out. It's it's early. Um, As far as leading scorers here, Nick, you mentioned the transfer portal. It is Dylan Anhorn who does pace this team with three points, along with Adam Ingram, who has um, three points. Uh, Vieti Miettinen and Barrett Hall all have three, respectively. The only player with two, Werner Miettinen, has two. And then uh, you have about six or seven players who have a single point, respectively. So uh, St. Cloud, 
still looking for a little bit more of that offensive punch. We are still early goaltending wise. Uh, Dominic Bassey has an eight, nine, four and a three twenty. part of that. You know, he hasn't had a ton of help at times in front of him. So again, want to clean up the front of the net here. Um, Isaac Posh, the other goaltender that's seen some action in a Husky sweater. Um, as you look at this group, like you mentioned, they have Fairbanks uh, coming up this weekend, and then they have actually a week off before they face Miami for their first NCHA action here. So an opponent that will be a good little test for the Huskies, a chance to regroup the week after, and then an opponent that historically has struggled a little bit in the NCHA, but historically has given St. Cloud some fight back um, mm-hmm. over the course of certain weekends. So um, I think this is a good little stretch and maybe a chance for Brett Larson's Huskies to maybe come kind of look inward, find a little bit about themselves. They have essentially two and a half weeks to tweak everything before they get ready for conference play here, Nick. Uh, when when this group gets ready here for action this weekend against Alaska, one, what is something that they should be looking at, something they're trying to work at here? And as they go over the course of the next essentially three weeks here before they get to face Miami for conference play, what needs to change for this group? Power play, number one, that's been really bad. Uh, you know, it's uh, you, you don't want to make it about special teams because even with they're doing good, right? You always go back to five on five play. But sometimes if you're struggling five on five or if you're a team, as we just discussed, that's trying to figure out who they are and, you know, how they can play the best. Right. Special teams become a big part of keeping you in hockey games or sometimes giving you an insurance goal, right? Um, St. Cloud missed a couple of opportunities last weekend against St. Thomas and then more recently here in Minnesota State. Um, I believe Minnesota State's penalty hit was perfect throughout the weekend, if I recall. Um, I don't think St. Cloud got a single power play goal the entire weekend. Um, So that's got to get better, right? And then we talked about it before. They got to be just a little bit more gritty in their defensive zone. Um, So, you know, box out. Again, you got to be able to go in there and you got to be ready to battle, right? And you got to win those, whether it's away from the puck or on the puck um, and then just be smart with it, right? So sometimes it's more puck management. Um, Just to kind of give Huskies fans a little bit of, shall we say, a reminder. After St. Cloud started off 6-0, and if they don't recall, it was an away game in Bemidji. They lost 3-1. to That kind of woke them up a little bit. They was like, wait a second. And it was a bad game. In fact, they played a really bad game. Yep. You know, so St. Cloud started off good, then they got punched in the mouth and then had a pretty decent run right before the NCHC. You kind of wonder how they're going to respond, right? And I think there's a lot left to be desired, but they can use this as motivation against Minnesota State, right? I think Huskies certainly are, they got punched in the mouth. They're they're bleeding a little bit and there's their their ego is hurting. Let's let's be honest with it, right? But the good news is, and and what Brett Larson preaches is how do you respond, right? Um, This team has the talent. It has the ability to play a much better game um and the devil's in the details right we talk about that all the time and i think st cloud really it's the devil's in the details right now that they're just not executing those small details um if they can figure that out over the course of the next couple of days before alaska comes to town um again defend your home ice then it'd be a good time to reset take a week off study more film work on a few more things and be ready for the nchc which we know is a gauntlet of a schedule and that way they can uh, get themselves more back in the win column Yeah, I would definitely agree. Like you mentioned, first of all, it's still early. You know, there's a lot of things that have to be sorted out here. Uh, If you were curious, it doesn't make a ton of difference. In fact, Mankato is at 31. The Gophers are at 36. St. Cloud at 37. Ironically enough, um, Duluth is right there as well, too. The Gophers and Mankato are both 2-0, and they're sitting in the 30s in the pairwise. So it's too early to tell for a variety of reasons based on opponent matchups how that's going to shake out. We'll 
probably get a, a better answer about maybe 10 or 12 games into the season what the pairwise looks like, but it's always kind of interesting to look at. Um, there is the top 16, just the only, actually Miami and Denver are at 13 and 14, and there's no other NCHC team that is there besides North Dakota, who's sitting at number two next to uh, um, Holy Cross, who's uh, 3-0 and to start the season. So um, again, Harvard's the pairwise. Right, zero, zero. <laughs> they only seem to be like zero zero for the first month and this state start playing hockey then they're they fall fair but fairbanks is 25 just for mm-hmm. an opponent that's coming in here harvard where is harvard uh nick um you might get a kick out of this they are actually tied for last um they are third last um because they haven't played so um wow, they fixed the glitch no way <laughs> <laughs> give it time give it time I know, um, right? <laughs> but that that might be the mantra about the saint claude men's team too give it time you know it, there's going to be moments here even go back to last season they had a stretch of probably nine or ten games where they really struggled where if you took that stretch of games and you put it at the beginning of the season huskies fans would have like been clamoring at brett larson basically they were and it's it would be the know, reason press burned down Oof, well <laughs> <laughs> wow i thought it was insurance money but i guess i was wrong <laughs> um, um, but but that's that's again where we go back to you can take snapshots and snippets of hockey games or hockey weekends or stretches here and you can say oh this team isn't playing well and we're not going to sit here and sugarcoat to say that the huskies played great this weekend i thought they were okay against st thomas last weekend first games out of the gate the one on friday i think really stings like i said you you know getting out of there with that loss in overtime when you were kind of in control of a game that maybe you shouldn't have been in control and you got to find a way way to kind of lock down in a game that you were kind of stealing a little bit and then saturday a couple of quick strikes that you know with a tail end of period number one started period number three and that was all she wrote so um it does leave a bitter taste in your mouth. If you're a Huskies fan, I, it, you know, we'd concur. You have a right to be a little bit frustrated with the start. I can promise you, though, Brett Larson and company are equally, if not more, frustrated with the start. They know there's things that, that have to clean up. Now the question is, can they execute? Can they respond against an opponent who, historically, they should have been better than on paper, historically has given Denver a really tough fit in recent years and has gotten a lot better. This is a great litmus test again, going into this weekend. And then they have a chance to regroup with a week off here, you know, shore up any injuries if they have any, um, and then be able to kind of tweak things and take a look and, you know, maybe have some really good developmental practices, you know, week in and week out. You have practices where usually I would say maybe your first or second practice of the week is kind of a hard and heavy practice, very physical, very kind of tiring. And then as you move on through the week, you start to work a little bit more on systems, you know, things like that, where you're going to think more about strategizing, how you're going to approach the weekend. This gives this team an opportunity to maybe earn a little bit of grit when they have that week off. They have an opportunity to get, you know, some physicality into their practices and really take a look at what's going on in their playbook, in their game plan take a look at tape, film, whatever it is, and really kind of try to tweak a lot of things here. So again, like we said, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to find out a lot about the women's program for St. Cloud. We're going to find a lot about the men too and see how they respond uh, come NCHC time here. Even if, you know, if, if they're 500 and they have a good game and they struggle for another game against Fairbanks, you're looking to see if they're starting to at least flesh out the positives. If they're recognizing situations, if they're making adjustments, if they're making an attempt to shore up things that are obvious or maybe not so obvious deficits that's what you're looking for and then at time you know in time you're going to want to see that team execute right you're going to start to see that leading score that top line they're going to emerge 
top four defensemen are going to start to mentor the younger guys. You're going to see less turnovers. You're going to start to see more responsible hockey. Goaltending hopefully continues to be a positive factor for the Huskies as they go through. So, Nick, um, we're not giving up on this team yet, even after a weekend that wasn't exactly the greatest. Mankato could turn out to still be a very good hockey team, a 2-0 start for them after a wild and raucous and painful summer that they've had. Got to feel good as a Mavs fan, too. So, you know, so good response on home ice to start the season. They could be a team to watch in the CCHA still, too, which um, also I thought the CCHA did a, a fairly decent job on the on the broadcast presentation this weekend, too. I wanted to point that out, too, um, as far as their production management and other things, too, because, you know, we like looking at those things occasionally, too. But final thoughts here, Nick. Women's team is riding high. Men's team is uh, looking for a little bit of inspiration from that group as they try to regroup and face Alaska this weekend. Uh, what's your overall message for the men's and women's teams as they get ready for this weekend? Uh, women's team embrace the challenge. Uh, again, you talk about litmus tests. Holy cow, they're going to get one this Tuesday. Again, uh, going up against the big mighty Gophers um, on enemy ice at Ritter Arena. So that'll be a nice uh, test there, especially on short rest for both teams, right? So, and this is where St. Cloud did it in November against Minnesota last year, where they finally took them down, right? So uh, it's going to be a, a game of mental attrition um, and really who makes least amount of mistakes in that one. So, um, don't hold it back. Don't grip the stick side. Don't be afraid. Embrace it and go up and get them, right? Um, take the play to them. That's how you win it. And for the guys, deep breath. Yeah, honestly, deep breath. Um, again, it's early, right? But the thing is, you can't let it continue to ride down the broken railway, right? You, you have to lick your wounds, but then take the roof of your mirror and seriously smack it with a hammer, break it. You can't look back. At the end of the day, it is what it is. Uh, what you can do is look ahead at the film. You can look and say, hey, this is what we can clean up. This is what we know we're capable of. And you have to go into this weekend with a fresh mindset and confidence that you can play up to Fairbanks and, and also beat them on home ice. So um, it stings. But again, you got to look forward. You can't look back and uh, be ready for a new weekend. You got to have a clean mindset. Yeah, like you mentioned, men's side here, they've got Alaska Fairbanks before a week off. On the women's side, of course, they get ready to match up against the Gophers this upcoming Tuesday, 7 o'clock Central, down at Ritter Arena. And then it'll be the Icebreaker Tournament. It will be uh, Northeastern to open um, that game on Friday, October 20th, and then either Sacred Heart or Lindenwood before they follow up, essentially, with uh, more conference action against Mankato. So, uh, Nick... A lot of hockey yet to be played. Some exciting uh, moments here, maybe more on the women's side. Uh, like you said, a reset button here for the men's team who hopefully can respond. Historically, in years past, Brett Larson's teams have been able to find a way to respond. Sometimes it takes a game. Sometimes it takes them an entire weekend. Sometimes it takes them three games, but they historically have been able to show that. So uh, it should be exciting. Nick and I, of course, will be here to cover all the action for Huskies Hockey as we move into episode 184. Uh, improving here to week number five of hockey, respectively. It's actually technically, I want to say, week number three Yeah, for the men's team and then week five on the women's side here. So for Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! 
six seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.